0: God, we are thankful that we have life, we're thankful that we can celebrate your resurrection this Easter Sunday, and um, we're so grateful knowing that uh, we don't deserve anything, but you give us joy, you give us peace, you give us life, and um, I pray that as we meet to study your word, that you would be here, that you would teach us, that you would open our hearts to your truths, God, and uh, we ask for you to be present here, present in the service today, that you would move in the hearts of your people and uh, that you would uh, cause people that may not may not know you to respond to the gospel today uh, as we celebrate with the rest of our family later, God. So we thank you. We pray for you to be here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are at the uh, Ninth Commandment, and uh, let me, I'll just go around and um, I'll have Justin, you will read Exodus 2016. This is the Ninth Commandment. <clears throat> you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay. So, do you guys remember, uh, just kind of to give us uh, uh, the, the breakdown of the Ten Commandments. So, four of the commandments had to do deal with, do you guys remember um, our relationship to God? God. Right. And then... The six commandments. The last six are our relationship with man, with man, with each other. So we all we have to remember as we look at the ten commandments, what they, um, the, the context of them for us to understand what God is saying to His people through them. So, we've got the ten commandments. The ninth one is, "Don't bear false witness against your neighbor." This is talking about the how we relate to our brother, and we we seen the context here. Uh, You guys can read along if you want. The specific command is that an Israelite would not be a lying witness and falsely accuse someone of a crime. The Israelites have been rescued from Egypt and are being delivered into the Promised Land. Egypt was a place of injustice for them. So you remember, Egypt was a place of slavery. This was a place where the Israelites were completely mistreated. The, The Egyptian slave masters... They had full control over the Egyptians, meaning that if they wanted to accuse them of something, they could. If they wanted to treat them harshly, they could with no repercussions. And God is saying, I've brought you out of this place of injustice, and I bring you to the promised land. And the promised land is a place where where God's people can live in peace with each other. This is a place where they can, they can uh, trust each other. And this is the ideal that God is setting for us. So... Egypt was a place of injustice for them, and where they are headed is a land of justice. So the command is, a, is interested in the future prosperity of Israel. So, this is the context in which we need to understand the Ten Commandments, that the Israelites are being brought out of Egypt, they're going to the Promised Land, and it's not just a, an isolated set of rules for these people to arbitrarily obey. It, there's a context to it, alright? So, uh, this is specifically talking about the a person in the in uh, the judicial system, or um, if they're accusing someone of something. So, a lot of times we hear this command, and it says when we hear it, you shall not bear false witness. We we think okay, all this means is, is that we shouldn't lie, and this is true. And we'll see later on that it does include that. But then specifically, this is talking about how do we interact with each others, and do we accuse them of something that they're not guilty of? Okay, so. Uh, there was, there was um, a lot of. Uh, well, there's, to help us understand um, what's going on here, uh, our first point is this: a liar is responsible for the judgment of the accused. So, what is being said here is you can't just arbitrarily accuse someone of something. Or if you don't like someone, you're not going to accuse them of theft or murder. Uh, because if you did, there you are bearing the responsibility of the accusation that you're making. So we'll see here. Uh, let me have, um, I'll go here and then here. Uh, Tracy, can I have you read the first from Deuteronomy?
1: On the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness.
0: All right, so it's not just one witness that is that can make an accusation there has to be multiple and we'll see later on in the new testament this also applies jesus recognizes this principle Um, the second point uh joshua do you mind reading this long passage right here
2: a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any reason in connection with any offense that he has committed only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall charge be established if a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he has meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst.
0: All right. Um, and let me have Roxanne read it. Deuteronomy 17.7.
1: The hand of the witness shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people.
0: All right, thank you. So what the, what these verses are saying is there's a due process. If you're going to accuse someone of something, there has to be not only you but other people. And if it's found out that you are lying, then something's going to happen to you. Meaning if you accuse – I mean here we, we see this principle of um, if you accuse someone of something and you're saying – this person uh, stole something and it turns out that this person didn't steal something, you're going to bear the responsibility as if you stole something. So you're going to receive the punishment. So there's a very, this is to make sure that there is justice, that there is not rampant um, uh, accusations in Israel. And uh, we see here in Deuteronomy 17:7, 7, if this person is found guilty and if you're the first accuser, then you're, let's say for example, this person was charged with murder and you accuse this person of murder. You, as a first witness, you are the one that cast the first stone to kill this person. Does this remind you of something else in the New Testament? Do you remember the adulteress that, that came to Jesus? And then the Pharisee says, asked Jesus, um, who, why, why are you associating with this woman? Why are you not treating her as she is, which is a criminal? She's a prostitute. And Jesus says, Which of you is without the sin? Whoever's without the first sin, you cast the first stone. And you be the one that kills this woman for her crimes. And Jesus is alluding to this principle right here. If you make the accusation, then you cast the first stone. You're going to be the one that's liable for the judgment of this person. Okay? Does that understand? Any questions? All right. So other forms of lying in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, I had Roxanne read already. Um, Tim, can I have you read Leviticus
3: 19.11, please? You shall not steal, nor deal falsely. Nor lie to one another.
0: All right, here uh, we see this commandment reiterated again: don't lie, don't. Um, so this is where it's not—it's not, it's not limited to the judicial system in which this command is given to us, but it's also lying to other people. And uh, I'm going to have Jesse read Proverbs six, please.
2: There are six things which the Lord hates: yes, seven which are an abomination to Him: haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises evil, wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utter lies, and one who
0: spreads strife among brothers. Thank you. There are passages in the Bible that says that God hates people. And this is maybe may sound harsh to us that God is actively against people and he hates them. But then here in Proverbs it says, God hates people who lie. Um, so this is... Uh, tells us how offensive it is to God if we lie, if we um, are false witnesses. Hosea 4, 1-2. Uh, Louis can I have you read that, please?
2: Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed.
0: Alright, this is Hosea here, this prophet he's talking about. It sounds like a very harsh um, accusation against Israel. And uh, what the prophet is saying here, or what God is saying through the prophet, is look at what what is the condition of Israel. There is um, there's no faithfulness, no kindness, kindness or knowledge of God in the land. And I want to focus on this uh, second, second um, sentence we have here, because there's no faithfulness or kindness for knowledge of God in the land. So, God is saying the reason why I want you to be be true witnesses, um, and the reason why I hate false witnesses, is because this is pointing to something deeper. Israel was supposed to be a land where that that testifies. Uh, of what is true, that testifies of God. And here he says, Israel, what have you done? There's no knowledge of God in the land. Meaning, how is knowledge spread? Knowledge is spread by people testifying, right? People witnessing. The knowledge of God is spread to the other nations by people telling other nations, this is who God is, this is what God has done. And if we look at the uh, historical... Uh, redemptive history of Israel. If you guys um, th- this is kind of pulling us back to other Sunday school lessons but um, what is Israel's responsibility to other nations? You guys remember? To be a like be- light to the Gentiles. Hmm. To be a to the Gentiles. Excellent. And Israel, were you going oh, to... Yeah. Yes. The the responsibility of Israel was for them to tell other nations, show them who's God. So, if you look at the Psalms, it doesn't say tell the tell your other Israelites who God is. Don't tell other. Don't limit it to Israelites who you tell of God's um, acts. Tell what? Tell the nations. And here, God is accusing the Israelites of not being a true witness, of not telling the other nations of how good He is. This is why He says here, kindness. Or knowledge of God, there's no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land, and this is offensive to God. The Israelites have not kept their, their obligation to be a witness to the nations. So, I have here the deeper meaning of the ninth word false testimony is wrong because lying is wrong, and lying is wrong for the people of God because by their lies they communicate to the surrounding nations that God is not true. An attack on his good name. So we see in the Old Testament, God says, "I'm doing this, the, Israel. The reason why I'm rescuing you from slavery is for my name's sake." Do you remember this? Um, throughout the Old Testament or and the New Testament, God says, "The reason why I am acting on your behalf is not ultimately for your for your benefit, but for my name's sake." So God is concerned with His honor, and this is why this commandment exists. Let's continue. False testimony is wrong because injustice is wrong. And injustice is wrong for God's people because they, by their unjust speech, they communicate to the surrounding nations that God is not just. This is an attack on God's name. God is calling on Israel to be a nation of faithful witnesses, a nation of truth-tellers in court and in all their dealings with one another. And he is calling on Israel to be a faithful witness to him by His by its integrity. By their faithful testimony to another, they give faithful testimony to their Lord. Do you guys hear what's going on here? So, the Ninth Commandment is concerned with missionary activity. It's concerned with the knowledge of God. This is ultimately why the Ninth Commandment exists. Questions or comments?
3: Timothy. Um, I think that there's also a, a corollary with creation as well. Here, where um, the Bible seems to talk about speaking as very important, the the Bible is the Word Hmm. of God. John, Jesus is the Word. It was God, and and, uh, if you look at the prophets, or you look at, say, even the Ten Commandments, God spake these words, and said He spoke these words. Or the prophets always go, "Thus saith the Lord." And in creation, God, he he didn't create creation by, like, molding things or having an orgy um, the way that other uh, religions portray creation. He didn't have, there wasn't a fight, there wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, bodily functions that were done. He spoke and it was done. And, And the speaking and the action were one thing. Now, we as humans, you know, when we say I'm going to do X or I'm going to do whatever, we have to go and actually do it. Mm-hmm. But if we live in a world that was created by speaking and action and we're made in that image, when we don't do that, when we say something and do something else, we're violating the, the very kind of foundation that creation was made. in. so mm-hmm. it's this deep principle. It goes like even deeper all the way back to creation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally true. Um... Thank you. That's an excellent point. Is uh, God is acting through His Word, and God's Word is uh, it carries with it uh, a weight that other religions, other faiths don't carry. So um, there's the, the Christians are referred to as people of the book. Have you guys heard that? Meaning that uh, throughout history, Christians have relied on the Word of God and not other crazy things, but on things that are spoken. This is what is true. This is what defines reality so God places a huge emphasis on the words that come out of our mouths because he himself spoke and this is the life power okay thank you uh, let's go to why do we lie uh, so why why are we as human beings prone to lying and I'm sure that all of well all of us lie um, sometimes we don't even know that we lie we just words, um, vain words come out of our mouths, so why do we lie? Who do I stop? Uh, Ezra, I'm going to have you read John 8:44.
2: Okay. Uh, you are your father, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he's a liar and the father flies.
0: All right, thank you. So the reason why we lie is because our father, the devil, is a liar. He speaks nothing but lies. He uh, is also called the accuser of brethren. Do you remember this in Revelation? Uh, Satan is the ultimate false witness. Uh, He's always speaking against us. He's always speaking things that are untrue of us. He's accusing us. He wants us to feel guilt and shame. And this comes from the mouth of a man who does nothing but lie. So the reason why we lie, the reason why we have it in us, is because our Father, before we're rescued by our true Father, is a liar. James 368 Harry.
2: The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire
0: by hell. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison this is a very extreme picture, isn't it? That our our, our mouth is set on fire by hell. Next time you, you speak to someone, if you're speaking words of unkindness, if you are um, making things up about someone, um, think of flames of hell coming out of your mouth because this is the picture that James is giving us is your mouth is set on fire by hell. And uh, th- this is it says here um, your tongue your mouth is a restless evil it's full of deadly poison so I mean I know that some people uh, words mean a lot to them have you guys ever been hurt by someone something someone has said Um, I think all of us have right and uh, this is because everyone has the potential to speak words of death to other people Um, when you are ungracious when you're unkind when you Accuse someone of something that you have no proof of. If you're just postulating and saying that this person is this or you are this, um, think uh, what I'm doing is I'm spitting poison in the face of my brother and my sister. I'm, I'm, the flames of hell are licking at their face when I speak and about them. Questions or comments? Alrighty that's I have a Yes, Ezra.
2: So, so is lying bad because uh, what it ends up doing is it hurts people? Is that why it's bad? It,
0: it, is, it is bad, and also because um, in an indirect way it reflects, if we're believers, it, it reflects on who God is. So mm-hmm. um, we are to be, I mean, like, uh, as as brothers and sisters, I and mean, remember this commandment is set in the context of Israel. Um, it's primar- it was uh, first and foremost for the Israelites, for the people of God. And it's talking about your relationship to others in the family of God. And it's wrong because it, it harms them, but it also speaks something of who God is. If you, as a Christian, claim to carry the words of life and be be a witness of God, you're saying, man, uh, <laughs> what you did was horrible. I'm going to condemn you for that. Is that a reflection of what God does for us? No, God is always gracious. God is always kind. It doesn't mean that he doesn't speak harsh words to us because sometimes we need to hear harsh words but we need to think through, um, am I killing my brother or sister with these words? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, Jazzy and then Tim. I uh, just had a quick question. So, like, what about before this? Did, like, these, like, rules still apply? Because, like, there's, like, a lot of times in Genesis where people, like, deceive people and they're, like, blessed Yeah. Brother. Yeah. So, um, so uh, if you guys remember in, in Genesis, there's a number of famous stories where uh, people, on, on God's behalf, they lie, right? Right. Um, so uh there's like there's murder as well and and God somehow uses these things to bring about his purposes and I think the purpose of um god's accomplishes god's God's work being accomplished through sinful acts is not to commend the sinful acts but to say um and I mean remember like no one in the Bible really is to be an example for us because everyone in the Bible except for Jesus was perfect, right so um, we, we're not to hold up these biblical characters as paragons of faith, but to say even in their sin, God is using them. And um, so that that'd be my answer.
3: Tim, oh, um, I wanted to kind of recast what I said earlier to kind of for uh, for Ezra's benefit, like your question about you know why is lying wrong, and you know everything that you said is is true. You know, like. Um, and I'm only recasting what I said earlier because it it may help to kind of just have something more concise to hold on to about like why is it deeply wrong which is what I was trying to get across is that um, when God speaks he created reality we all live in this reality and when we speak falsely we create a false reality that we live in and this false reality is nested inside of true reality but when we create a false reality what we're Doing with our actions that we're setting of ourselves up as false gods. Hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so, you, and you're not
3: submissive to the reality that God has, right? And then, and then, then you're put in this horrible position where you have to keep in mind true reality because you you can't have your deception found out. But you also have to support your false reality by making up more and more and more lies. And so, you begin to live in these two different realities. You start to become like split like dissonance
0: mm.
1: yeah
0: thank you for
2: that thought mm. hey um I, i'm coming into this lesson with the assumption that the commandment on lying is a little more nuanced than we tend to understand it because mm-hmm. i don't i don't know if the wording exactly says don't lie right because when god deceives abraham i think he does deceive him he, he, he kind of tricks him right yeah he tells him to kill his son, and in a way he does, mm-hmm. but that was, he ends up changing his mind, kind of right in a way. Right, and so some people can interpret that as deception. And then when Christ tells everyone, "Hey, I'm going to go to the festival. Of the, I'm not going to go to the festival of the booths," but then later he goes. Mm-hmm. That, what is that, right? So um, that's that's where I'm coming from. So, yeah. Okay. You know, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: we don't have to deal with it now. Yeah. but I'm just saying. I don't know it's, maybe it's a little more complicated, yeah. Right? There,
0: there are nuances, especially. Um, it's, I mean, God commends a liar in Hebrews, Rahab the prostitute, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, that is, I, yeah, I need, to, I need to think through like how to articulate this. It, yeah. I think it's, it might go outside the scope of this lesson. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we'll have opportunities to address this in a deeper way so let me let me think about that
2: philosophically the jesuits and the dominicans also disagree very strenuously about what kind of untrue statement might actually um, be in breach of
0: this commandment
2: Mm. yeah okay good i'm
0: glad i'm glad this is these are thoughtful questions Mm. and uh yeah thank you guys yeah um, all right, let's move on to the uh, the next page the witnesses of Jesus. So, remember, here uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, it's telling us that one witness is not enough to accuse someone of something. In the New Testament, we see that uh, that all of uh, we'll read here, but then um, there are multiple witnesses to who Jesus is, and this is ultimately who this command is pointing to. Uh, We we see that, and I think we've gone through this in all these Sunday School lessons about the Ten Commandments, is the Ten Commandments are ultimately about Christ. Christ Christ transforms our understanding of the Ten Commandments. So we see this language used again, the witnesses of something. Here we see the witnesses of Jesus. So, uh, who has not read? Tommy, can I have you read um, maybe up to verse 13? up to verse 38 and then um, can I have you read 39 to the end of the passage
2: I can do nothing on my own as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of him who sent me if I alone bear witness about myself my testimony is not true there is another who bears witness about me and I know that the testimony that bears that he bears about me is true you sent John and he has borne witness to the truth But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. Verse 38 to the end. And you do not have his word abiding in you for you. Do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in my in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words?
0: Thank you. Here in this passage we see um, a few uh, allusions or references to this judicial act right there are witnesses and then there is accusation in this passage and Jesus is saying um, there are multiple witnesses to who I am he's talking to the Pharisees and he's saying you don't believe he says here he says who are the people that that testify to me he says here he says in the middle the scriptures testify about me and he says towards the end of this passage Moses um, he's accusing you because what he wrote what he was pointing to was me And Jesus says, ultimately, what all the scriptures are pointing to is me. The scriptures are acting as a witness to me. There are other people. He says here, the Father bears witness. John the Baptist bears witness. The scriptures bear witness. And all these are speaking words to Jesus. And ultimately, it it echoes the Nine Commandments. The witnesses. These are not false witnesses. These are true witnesses. An accusation is being made against sinners. Here, he's, he talks about Moses and, and, and the bringing of the law. Who is the law pointing to? What is the point of the law? Jesus Christ, right? Okay. Um, and then here, we see the true witness. Jesus, who has he been testifying about? Mike, I'm going to have you read uh,
1: John eight twelve through 18. Um, again, Jesus spoke to him, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to them, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your witness, your your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, if I do bear witness about myself. My testimony is true. For I know where I, am, I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet if, even if you do judge, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Thank you. Again,
0: we see here, referring back to the Old Testament law, this judicial system, this 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 act uh environment of justice. Who is... And Jesus is talking about... He himself, he's bearing witness to himself. So he's saying that I'm the light of the world. He's saying, uh, and these Pharisees they go, your witness is not true. Jesus is arguing back. Yes, my witness is true, and the witness of God is true. So uh, here we see Jesus saying, like, saying, I'm the true witness that Israel was not able to to be. Remember, the Israelites were supposed to be a witness to the nations. And here Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's being a witness to the nations. I'm, And the person I'm witnessing about is myself. Uh, Kat, can I have you read these two passages from Revelation, please?
1: Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation.
0: Alright, so here at the end of the Bible, Jesus... One of his um, attributes is that of a true and faithful witness. So we see this this thread of being a true witness running throughout the Bible. Uh, and then um, here we see uh, this next passage that Chris, I'm going to ask Christine to read from Matthew 26 is are the um, are the rulers asking Jesus, "Is this who you are?" Because people are accusing you again. This judicial uh, uh, sh- shadow or this um, like the, 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 the Jesus is put on the stage where he is being judged so I'm going to have person in Matthew 26
1: now the chief priest and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death they did not find any even though many of false witnesses came forward but later on two came forward and said this man stated I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days thank
0: you so here again uh, we see that there are false witnesses of Jesus So this is pointing to, uh, for us, are we being true witnesses of who Jesus is? Because God takes it seriously. And what I mean by that is, what kind of words do we speak? What kind of life do we live that tells other people, this is who my God is. This is who I follow. This is who I said is most important in my life. And does my life bear witness to what God has done in my life and who he is and the reality is that many of us may not be true witnesses to who Christ is and what he has done in our lives. Um, and Jesus, we, we, may, we may do one thing, we may go to church on Sunday or a small group, but our lives can say something different. Our lives say something to the world. Um, thank goodness there is that it doesn't, it doesn't end with us, that there is someone whose testimony is stronger and greater than ours and that is Jesus Christ and also the scriptures that we use so our, I'm going to turn back around uh, Jesse Kennedy. can you have you read John 20 please <clears throat> yeah. um there have been these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that believing you may have life in his name all right thank you so we saw in the old test uh in uh, this passage in John 8 he says I'm sorry um in John 5 the scriptures bear witness to who I am, and ultimately, the reason why everything was written in the Bible was not for us to uh, was not for us to think uh, philosophically or theologically, or to for us to ruminate about who God is, or for us to um, squabble about these little points of doctrine. These are co- completely important. Uh, we all need to do that, but ultimately, what's the ultimate reason? Is so that we would believe who Christ is is so that our friends and our family can believe who Christ is. This is ultimately why the Bible exists, is so that we would believe, okay? And we believe the testimony of the Scriptures and of Jesus. Uh, and I'm going to have us talk about well, how Christ has fulfilled the the Ninth Commandment. Tracy, uh, Isaiah 53.
1: And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth.
0: There was no deceit in Jesus' mouth. He never lied. Uh, John fourteen six, Chelsea, please.
2: Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through
0: me. Thank you. And John 18, 37, Ezra. Then Pilate
2: said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice.
0: Thank you. Jesus fulfilled the tenth, ninth commandment by being the true witness. Everything that the Israelites could <coughs> not be, remember, God is telling them, "You need to be a witness of Me to the nations." They were unable to fulfill that command, but Jesus is the only one who ever fulfilled the ninth commandment, which is He bore. He never, He never accused anyone falsely, and He, He was the one that received the false accusation. And because He did, remember, it says in Isaiah, He says, "Like." Uh, a lamb slaughter, to slaughter, he, his mouth was shut. Jesus did not speak a word in his defense, even though he himself was completely innocent. But when charges were leveled against him, he stayed silent. And he, uh, by his life, he bore witness to who God is and who he himself is. And this is how Christ transforms our understanding of the Ninth commandments. And for us believers, uh, let, encouragement to speak truth, I'm going to have Roxanne read Ephesians 4
1: therefore when aside falsehood
3: speak to each one of you with his neighbor for so your members of one another all right, James 4 uh, 10. do not speak against one another brethren he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law
0: thank you and Jesse Colossians 3 but now you also put them aside put them
2: all aside anger wrath malice slander and abusive speech from your
0: mouth all right we as followers of jesus are called to speak with kindness and grace and to speak words of life we are not to accuse each other we're not to throw um, ugly insults and (coughs) falsehoods at each other we are not to uh, speak with a tongue that is set on fire by hell and this is how we are to understand this ninth commandment Um, questions or comments yeah. Um,
3: I don't have the passage in front of me right now, but I know that there's a passage that even um, condemns crude joking. Hmm. Um, and I think what we can conclude from all this is just that, like, our words have incredible weight. Like we've been talking kind of circumspectively about that principle that our words indeed have weight because we're made in the image of the creator, and our creator's words having greater weight. But because of that, our words have weight too. And so we're faced, when we acknowledge that our words indeed have incredible power, whether we mean for them to have it or not, by the very nature, then we have to consider the question how then are we to use this power?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good thought. Thank you. Um, are we being thoughtful with our words and are we speaking like other people?
2: Thanks. Okay.